BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello to my favorite people, and welcome back to the Balance Wand Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and today we have the incredible Mel Robbins on the podcast. You probably know her from her huge following all over social media. She actually reaches 60 million plus people per month on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all the different places. And she is one of the most booked female speakers in the world. She has over 500,000 students in her online courses, and she is a badass. She just wrote an incredible book called The High Five Habit, which I have been doing in the mirror every morning, and I can say it definitely works. So if you're looking to take control of your life, or you're struggling with confidence, or you want to make a change, or you just want to be a little bit kinder to yourself, and remember how much power you truly have to change your life around and your day around, then you got to read this book and check out all of her stuff. I talked about this in the interview, but I found Mel on YouTube when I was having a panic attack a couple years ago. I was having so many panic attacks and so much anxiety. I was very sick with Lyme. And I remember being in the bath, just struggling with my heart racing, feeling like I was on the verge of having one of those huge, horrible panic attacks. And I just Googled how to stop a panic attack and her YouTube video popped up talking about her own experiences and then giving, I think it was something like five or 10 simple tips to stop a panic attack in its tracks. And I started following her on Instagram and ever since then, I've just been captivated by her personality. She's such an amazing speaker. She has been through a lot in her life, which we talk about on this podcast. She had over $800,000 in debt just over a decade ago. And she has had many, like over 10 different major careers in her life. So she has reinvented herself many times. She has struggled with anxiety. She struggled with depression. And she's very open about all of it and is just a leader in helping people change their lives and feel better. She has courses, books, downloadables, all the different things. And you have to read her book, The High Five Habit, which, as I said, is now a New York Times bestseller as of the day before we recorded this interview. 
The other funny thing is so many of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you know Hudson, my cat, my firstborn. He is my everything. And he was enamored by Mel. And you'll hear it in this interview because he was coming up to her. He was sniffing her. He was playing with her. He sensed her good energy and he sensed what a cat person she is. So that was kind of funny. And I hope that my um, podcast editors will leave that part in because Hudson was circling us the whole time and he couldn't get enough of her. And I always say if an animal loves a person, then you know that person has really good energy. And I felt her energy too. But of course, I trust Hudson above all else. We also recorded this episode the day after her birthday and about five days before my birthday. So she is a Libra through and through. And this was just such an easy conversation. I also felt like I was being coached. Um, You guys will hear that. We talk about indecisiveness. She helped me work through some decisions in the conversation. And I could have talked to her forever. I've heard Mel on just about every big podcast that I listen to. And I wanted this interview to be different. So we didn't necessarily go deep into her backstory. We kept things pretty relevant to her teachings and what she's focusing on right now. And I think it culminated in an incredible episode and just created something so special. So thank you guys so much for being here. If you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, please send me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancebond.com so I can thank you by sending you my free yoga ebook, which I send to everyone who rates and reviews the show as a thank you. And also Thank you to our incredible sponsor, Obey Fitness. You guys know I have been so into Obey Fitness. I cannot get enough of it. One of my passions is making working out fun because honestly, if you're dreading your workout, it's never going to make you feel the way you want and it's never going to give you the results that you want. And fitness is such a huge part of my life and I've struggled quite a bit during my pregnancy to get that fitness in because I have not had a lot of energy and I've had a lot of back pain. So I finally found a tool that's really helping me stay consistent and maintain a balanced routine which is the amazing app Obey Fitness. It is one of my favorite live and on-demand offerings out there. They have so much variety and they have such incredible instructors, which is really hard to find. So whatever I'm in the mood for, they have it. And right now I'm craving low to no impact classes. So I'm focusing on their Pilates, bar, sculpt yoga, and meditation offerings. You guys know I love my meditation, but they also have super effective cardio and strength training options for people who are up for that kind of exercise. Their classes range from 10 minutes to an hour, so they fit into any schedule and into anything you're looking for. For me, I like to kind of do 10 minutes and then 20 minutes here and there and space it out throughout the day, depending on my energy. And since I am eight months pregnant, I am so happy that they have an extensive library of prenatal classes that take all of the guesswork out of exercising and just keep it super easy. So to see if Obey Fitness is a fit for you and your style of working out, you can use the code BALANCED to get one month free at obeyfitness.com. That's O-B-E fitness.com code balanced and you guys there's no reason not to take up this offer it's literally a month free with using the code balance so try it out try some of the workouts tag me on instagram let me know what you think i cannot wait to hear and with that let's get into this episode with mel robbins
Okay, so Mel, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm just so happy that we could do this in person. Yeah, it's always awesome to be in somebody's home. And so thank you for inviting me to come over while I'm here in Los Angeles. Of course. I'm just so happy that it worked out. Now we get to do this the day after your birthday. Yes. And right before your birthday. Yes. We're both Libras. Yep. Do you feel like you're a Libra? Do you identify with the Libra traits? I believe everything that I know about being a Libra, which is not a whole lot. Yeah. I think I'm probably your classic Libra. Mm -hmm. Like we're indecisive. We're sociable. We like being around people. We are airy because we're an air sign. Those are some traits. Yeah. You know, though, although I would say that I think I'm one of the most decisive people that you've ever met. And so maybe that's something that's come with time. But I also, uh, having been somebody that is out to make an impact and also given that I used to be a lawyer, particularly a public defender, I always have identified with the scales because it's also a symbol that you see in the practice of law in terms Mm -hmm. of the Juris Doctorate. So yes, the justice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So how do we be more decisive? That's something that I would love some tips on. Well, um, oh, I just saw your cat go by. Yeah, that's Hudson. I think he sees your team on the patio. He's so excited. I miss my guy. How do you be more decisive? Well, I think one of the main reasons why people are not decisive is because they are concerned about how other people are going to react to your decision, or you're concerned about what other people uh, might think the decision means in terms of how it reflects on you or impacts them. And so becoming more decisive has everything to do with improving your relationship with yourself. Because if you are somebody that struggles with people pleasing, or you're somebody that feels very insecure or full of self-doubt or overthinking, that is a sign of insecurity with self. Yes, that speaks to me. I can relate. I'm like, yep, you're totally right. So much of the indecisive nature that I feel, I think comes from the people pleasing element of not wanting to disappoint anyone or come across as unprofessional or unreliable or irresponsible when usually knowing in my heart what the right decision is to make, but finding it very hard to commit to making that decision. So you think that you're indecisive? Oh, yes. Okay. So what's a decision that you're like waffling on right now? Gosh, I mean, one of them is a whole maternity leave question Okay, because I do this on my own. Mm -hmm. I have the blog on my own podcast. I have a team, but they don't do anything in place of me. So if I'm not doing anything, nothing's really happening. And I have been so indecisive. Some days I feel clear that I need to take like four months off. I just want to be with my baby boy. This is my first baby. And to be honest, I'm so burnt out that even if I wasn't having a baby, I would need to take this time. So that's one. And other days, 
I'm like, nope, it's all good. I'm just going to keep working. I feel clear on that. Who needs a break anyway? I'm so accustomed to my financial situation. I'm addicted to what I do. I've been doing it for so long. I have a lot of things that I love to do that are expensive and a baby's coming. So who needs time off anyway? So that's one indecisive example. Well, one thing that you can do to become more decisive, because I think I, 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 I can already hear what your decision is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what your decision is? Because I know what the truth is. The time off. Correct. Mm -hmm. It's very clear. And I'm sure as you were listening to Jordan talk, as you're listening to this conversation, whether you're in your car or you're in your kitchen or you're out on a walk, you too could hear the truth as Jordan was talking. And one way to help yourself to be more decisive is to realize something really cool about decisions. Very few decisions are permanent. So if you were to just quiet the noise in your head, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do this thing. Maybe I should do that thing and ask yourself, well, what if it all works out? What do I actually want to do? And what you clearly want to do is take four months off. And so make a decision to take four months off and then give yourself permission to check in with yourself two months into it. And that way you can be decisive right now that, yep, I'm taking two, I'm taking four months off because that's what actually supports me. It scares me to death because I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, or I don't know what's going to happen, or I'm worried about being quiet. I'm worried about not working as much as I do, but I'm going to make a decision to take four months off. And I give myself the right without beating myself up to change my mind. Once I am a new mom, that's how you can be decisive but give yourself the grace to change your mind once you're in it. That is so helpful. It's so true that decisions are not permanent, but they feel so permanent at the time. Like I feel, even if this isn't true, like if I announce the time off and then it doesn't go as planned, I'm going to be seen as unreliable or just confusing, or I'm going to confuse myself or something. And, you know, and as you know, based on the work that you do, the second that you make the decision... And you say, I'm going to take four months off. And if something changes while I'm on maternity leave, I'll let everybody know. Uh, the second you make the decision, you open the door to the world aligning with it. Your indecision is what creates anxiety. Your indecision is what traps you in your mind. Your mm -hmm. indecision is what makes you waste all kinds of time and energy noodling what you should do when you could be using the time between now and when your new son arrives to be planning for four months off mm -hmm. and setting yourself up for success and feeling more certainty. So would you like to make a decision right now? Yes, I would love to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the time off. Okay. So tell us, like, let's say the decision was certainty. What is the decision? Okay. The decision is <laughs> I'm going to take December to about April okay. off Okay. and just be with my son and be present, be with Hudson, my other son, who's looking at you fondly and wow. just enjoy the time as a new mother and also remain flexible to... Oh, honey. Oh, oh you I'm want to sorry. play? He wants he's, me to pet him. I've got a very, feisty. very, uh, uh, so you're going, okay. So we're going to go. So December one to April 1st, you're giving yourself the time. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Congratulations. It feels, it feels so right. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Because here's the thing. 
People pleasing, particularly for women, is a learned behavior. We have been socialized to believe that in order to be lovable, we must also be liked. And we also must make everybody around us happy. That's what we saw our mothers do. That's what women do in society. And so one of the reasons why women in particular struggle with people pleasing is because we have never been taught how to put ourselves first. And we have also never been taught something extraordinarily important that you will start to learn when you are a mother. And that is this. People in your life can be disappointed with you. People can be disappointed or upset with a decision that you make. And they'll still love you at the same time. And it wasn't until I became a mom that I had a breakthrough in realizing, oh, wait a minute. Like if my mom's upset with me, she actually doesn't stop loving me. But I behave in a way where I've been afraid of her reaction I've been afraid that if somebody's upset, it means they take their love away. And so the people pleasing is tied up in that. Like that's why people that identify as a people pleaser also tend to have anxiety because you're always in your head thinking about what you should say, thinking about how you should show up, thinking about what everybody else is going to think. Instead of actually grounding yourself back inside in your own power and figuring out what would actually work for you. Yes. You're describing my life right now. (laughs) So much anxiety and so much people pleasing, which I feel like I've done a lot of work on, but as I'm hearing you speak, I'm realizing it's still this conditioned behavior, a way of thinking. And so the way that I actually discovered your work, which was probably two or three years ago, I was in the bath. I was having a panic attack. I was having an ongoing panic attack for too long, you know, just the kind that never ends. And I Googled how to stop having a panic attack and your video popped up on YouTube. Oh, wow. And I listened to you talk about, you know, four or five ways to stop a panic attack and its tracks. And I just have to thank you for that because it helped me. And it also helped me to see I'm not the only person that feels this way. Although I know that, I know that consciously, it was so nice to just listen to you speak so candidly about your experiences and the TED talk that you did, which maybe you can tell us about when you had, you know, I think what you describe is like an hour long panic attack. <laughs> tell us about that. And then well, tell us I some mean, tips. I also write about anxiety a lot in this new book, The High Five yes, Habit, because it has been literally a, I think like a almost something that has been part of my life for probably three decades, this sense that something bad was going to happen. I mean, anxiety is not about the present moment. Anxiety is anticipating that something's about to go wrong in the near future. And, you know, I was a kid that was always worried and had a nervous stomach and was homesick at every camp I ever went to. And in many of the camps was sent home because I was homesick. And the anxiety became generalized, meaning I would just be in an anxious, on edge state all day long. And I took Zoloft for three decades and it was not three decades, two decades. It was life changing. And I think that when it comes to anxiety, what I want everybody to understand is that there are really three things that you need to know. There is the mind experience of anxiety. There is the body experience of anxiety. And there is the emergency break that is a panic attack. And so I'm going to explain 
the connection of these things. So anxiety is a really good thing. It actually serves a purpose because anxiety is just an alarm system in your body. That's all that it is. And so when you are worried in your mind, that is one form of sounding the alarm. When you start to feel a wave of anxiety kick in and you feel your face go flush or you feel your heart race or you feel your stomach drop or you feel your armpit sweat or you feel your breath shorten or you feel your, you know, your hands get real clammy, that is your body. That's your sympathetic nervous system sounding an alarm in your body. And it's got a really important purpose. So for example, if you and I were uh, to hop in the car and we were to drive down to our favorite grocery store, what is it, Irwan? Mm-hmm. How do you say it? Like I love it. Yeah, Irwan, yeah, exactly. yep. And we're going down there. Uh, we're going to go get the Zen bowl. I love that Zen bowl whenever so I'm good. in LA. Yep, mm-hmm. so good. And as we're driving and we're talking, we're excited about going to get the Zen bowl. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a freaking truck pulls into our lane so fast and so close that we have to swerve out of the way. When that happens, what do you feel in your body? Total panic. My heart would jump into my throat. My heart would start racing. Stomach would drop. All those feelings. Exactly. That panic, that's an alarm system that is signaling you, ding, 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 pay attention. And then what happens, because it happens so quickly, your body's like, oh my God. And then your mind's like, oh my God. And then the panic attack, which is... (gasps) takes over and subconsciously you grab the wheel and steer it out of the way. That is an example of how anxiety in your body, that tense feeling that comes up, the worry in your mind, oh my God, we're about to get hit. And then the panic that takes over and subconsciously swerves you out of the way. That is an example of how anxiety is a really good thing because it's sounding an alarm and it's taking over to get you out of danger. Mm -hmm. Now, when the truck pulls away and we pull back into our lane, what happens in your body? Just start to relax a little bit, realize that we're okay and that we are going to live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And your thoughts come back Mm -hmm. and your heart slows down. And in that example, the reason why your thoughts come back and your heart starts to slow down is because the truck pulled away and the whole thing makes sense. Mm -hmm. The problem when you have generalized anxiety or you have a panic attack problem is that you're sitting in a bathtub or you're making a cup of coffee and all of a sudden you feel in your body that same wave and that alarm system that you felt when you almost got hit by the truck. And because as you look around in your kitchen or your bathroom and there's actually no truck coming at you, it doesn't make any sense. At which point your mind starts to scramble because your body's having an alarm reaction and go, what's wrong? What's wrong? Am I dying? Is something wrong? Is something bad going to happen? I don't. And so your mind is trying desperately to find a truck to explain why your body feels this alarm state. And here's the problem. If you don't know how to get control in that moment when your mind starts to scramble, you're screwed because your mind will agitate your body even more. And that's when the panic attack happens. And next thing you know, you're standing up out of the bathtub and you're racing out of the bathroom because your mind is now so overcome 
that it's like, I got to get you, I got to get Jordan out of here. Mm-hmm. I got to get Jordan out of here. Just like in the example with the truck, I got to pull the wheel to the left. I got to pull her out of the bathroom. That's what's happening. And so what's critical to understand is the connection between worrying, the connection between the alarm system in your body and the connection between how, when it gets really bad, your mind will take over and pull you out of there. And the thing to understand is that if you can catch your thought spiral, you can actually shut down an anxiety attack. If you can understand how to trick your own mind in that situation, you can gain control. And how do we do that? It's a good one, right? Yeah, it's so good. So um, what are some things that make you anxious? Some things that make me anxious. Yeah, like what's something that could cause you to literally start feeling really Mm -hmm. anxious if you allow your mind to go there? So many things. Like so many things. Um, let's think about this. I mean, anything related to uh, delivering? Yeah, so much related to birth. So giving birth itself, because I've had surgeries in the past, health complications, etc. So I have a strong visualization of what I want the birth to look like, which is beautiful and natural with limited pain. And then I have this nightmare scenario of like so much pain and emergency Uh surgery and Uh all that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. So here's what I'm going to have you do. So we're going to use something called AB planning, which is if you can identify what triggers you to feel anxious, you can come up with what's called an AB plan, which will make you statistically more likely to be able to follow through and take control if you get triggered. Mm -hmm. So if your thoughts start to race to, oh my God, what if I need a C-section? Oh my God, what if something's wrong with the baby? Oh my God, what if this happens? What if it's super painful? What if I... You are going to come up with an alternate thought right now while you're calm. Okay, so we're going to come up with our thought B. Thought A is, oh shit. Thought B is, oh no, I've got to take control. Okay, you ready? Uh-huh. And then I'm going to teach you how to interrupt the thought using the five-second rule. Okay. And then we are going to, in real time, replace the anxiety-triggered thought, which is the thought that makes you feel in control. And we're going to do it all using the five-second rule and some science from Harvard Medical School. Okay? Okay. Sounds so, amazing. what is something that makes you super excited? Like, paint a picture for me of the moment when you're present and they put your son in your arms. That moment in itself is something I've been thinking about so much in this pregnancy. Probably the top thing I've been thinking about and envisioning. Hopefully, I want to feel... Don't say hopefully. Okay, so present. So much presence. I want to feel all of the presence in the world when they put him into my arms and just look into his eyes and feel that moment with him as he comes to the earth. Okay, terrific. So you're ready. Is your hair up or is it in a ponytail or is it down? Up. Okay. And does your son have a lot of hair or is he bald or what do you see? He has a lot of hair. Okay. And what color is the hair? I think it's dark. Okay. Is it curly? Is it straight? Like straight. Okay. And does he have like big lashes? Does he not? Definitely big lashes like his dad. Okay. Terrific. Mm -hmm. And are you holding him in your, the right crook of your arm or the left (laughs) crook of your arm? The left. Okay. Okay. So here's what you're going to do. Between now and when that moment happens, anytime you feel your mind 
or your body start to worry or feel anxious, okay, and it starts to trigger you to go into worry or anxiety or catastrophe land, you are going to shut that shit down. And here's how you're going to do it. The second that you feel your mind drift to the horror show, oh my God, C-section, oh my God, you're going to count backwards, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Okay, so count backwards. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. What that's going to do is it's going to shut down the worry loop and it's going to draw your mind to your conscious part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, okay? Because the counting backwards requires focus. And the second you get to one, I want you to, you can close your eyes, you can leave them open, but you're going to say, I am so excited to look my son in his eyes. I am so excited to look my son in his eyes. I'm so excited to see his big, beautiful lashes. And you're going to imagine yourself with your left arm up, and you can even lift your left arm up a little. And what's going to happen is this. You are going to shut down the worry loop that triggers the alarm in your body and makes you feel anxious. And by counting backwards, five, four, three, two, one, you're going to move from the subconscious to the conscious part of your brain. And then you are going to tell your mind what you actually want it to focus on, which is the excitement of seeing your son for the first time. And here's the exciting part. And this is where the research from Harvard Medical School comes in. Your body does not know the difference between something that makes it feel worried or nervous and something that makes it excited. When you're excited, you have butterflies. When you're nervous, you have butterflies. When you're excited, your heart rates. When you're nervous, your heart rates. When you're uh, excited, you tend to get sweaty palms and you tend to sweat in your armpits and you tend to like feel all jittery. When you're nervous, you tend to get sweaty palms and sweaty armpits and you feel all jittery. It is the exact same physiological experience medically. And so we're just going to use the five second rule in the words, I'm excited. And this vision that you can picture in your mind to anchor your brain on a image that makes you excited. And because excitement and nerves are the exact same thing, your brain will literally go, oh, there's nothing to be worried about here. Because if she's staring at her eyes or his eyes, everything goes okay. Mm-hmm. And just like in the example where the truck pulls away and your body starts to slow down, you will have given your mind its own anchor. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. Yes, I so love that. for every single thing that makes you anxious, and this is true for those of you that are listening with your kids, go through your day and identify the things that trigger you to worry or feel anxious and then do what we just did. Come up with a thought that you're excited about that's related to the thing that makes you anxious. I'm excited to be done with this thing. I'm excited to have the hard conversation. I'm excited to have this relationship be over. I'm excited to look my son in the eyes Mm -hmm. and anchor down on that thought five, four, three, two, one. And you'll be shocked at how quickly you take control of your mind. Wow. That's so powerful. I love it. So how did you come up with the five second rule? Oh, the five second rule? Yeah. How did you come up with it? Oh my God. It was 2008. My husband and I were $800,000 in debt because a restaurant that he had started with his best friend, 
the first one was successful. The second and the third one really struggled and we had secured it with our house and our life savings. And then the recession hit and I lost my job and I found myself at the age of 41 with three kids under the age of 10 and I was unemployed. And we had 800 grand in liens on the house and credit cards maxed out and our home equity line tapped, the phone ringing off the hook from creditors. And um, the anxiety was so crushing, I couldn't get out of bed. And so the five second rule began as a simple thought that maybe if I launched myself out of bed when the alarm rang, I wouldn't be in bed when the anxiety hit. And from the moment I started five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed, five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed, five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. And I saw that it was working. I started using it in any area of my life where I knew what I should do, but I was either too scared or too nervous or procrastinating or afraid or whatever. I used the count backwards technique, five, four, three, two, one, to move within five seconds. And it was always the push I needed. And so I used it in secret for five years or for three years, um, turned my whole life around five, four, three, two, one, walk away from the alcohol, five, four, three, two, one, uh, stop snapping at the kids, five, four, three, two, one, pick up the phone and get a job, five, four, three, two, one, go out the door and exercise. Because the fact is we all know what we should do. It's the doing it that's hard. And so this little countdown tool became a tool that I could use that was effective in just about every situation. And I shared it for the first time uh, in that TEDx talk. And the TEDx talk in 2011 was not even supposed to be about the five-second rule. It was about career change. I'd never spoken publicly about the five-second rule. I mentioned it at the end of the speech because I forgot how to end the speech. I was so disassociated because I literally had a raging 21-minute long panic attack. It was the first time I'd ever been on stage. I even gave up my email address at the end of the speech. And then whatever, a year went by. I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, that's it. I'll never do a speech again. That was horrible. I went back to my life, my job, my husband, my kids. And uh, a year later, somebody put the talk online. For a year, it kind of kicked around online. And by 2013, it had a million views. Oh my gosh. People started to reach out through Facebook. Through your email, I'm sure. Yeah, my email. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? You were there? No, it's online. It's online? What? You know, and so people started to write to me from around the world explaining that this five-second rule was helping them bridge what psychologists call a bias towards thinking and five, four, three, two, one, create a bias towards action. And it was changing people's lives in a profound way. I mean, losing hundreds of pounds, uh, being able to be sober and maintain sobriety, tripling their business, uh, reframing triggers associated with PTSD. We know of 111 people who have stopped themselves from committing suicide uh, by counting five, four, three, two, one and asking for help. And so um, I went on to write a book that's now sold 2 million copies and been translated into 36 languages. I became the most booked female speaker in the world. I've gone on to produce four more audiobooks in the last three years for Audible and uh, more recently hosted a daytime syndicated talk show with Sony Pictures. So all of Incredible. that from 
you know, and one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about everything I talk about is because I didn't read this shit in the book. Like, this is the kind of stuff like I tend to have to either dig a hole or fall into a hole. Mm -hmm. And then I need to find a ladder or build one. And that's how I discover the things that I talk to people about. It's having lived with and struggled with anxiety for so long that has helped me understand and, and know what that's like. And also to know what tools actually work when you're dealing with it mm-hmm. and what ones don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, let's just take a moment because that's an incredible story and journey. And then you became the most booked female speaker in the world. No big deal. So how does that feel? Kind of divine, honestly. Like I, uh, I think that I will outwork anybody. And I didn't ever set out and say, that's it. I'm going to take this five second thing and make it my mission. And I'm a teacher world. It sort of was one of these things that it just became this like unbelievable, organic, just viral thing that started to spread. And the reason why I wrote the book, for example, is because I was getting so much email, so many emails. If I wanted to see my family, I needed to write a book Mm -hmm. and explain why it works and tell some of these people's stories so that I didn't have to sit up at night every night and answer emails from people all over the world. And so um, I'm really proud of myself. I mean, to have gone from being $800,000 in debt and struggling with a drinking problem and being unemployed and fighting with my husband to actually reclaiming my life and building an incredible business and impacting the lives of millions. It's extraordinary. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Okay, let's talk about CBD. You guys know I am a loyalist to Cured Nutrition, my favorite CBD company, Beyond Words. We've had Joseph Sheehy, the founder on the podcast. I love him and his wife and their beautiful daughter. And I also love how pure and potent their products are. And I also love that they're made in Colorado with ingredients that I trust that are local to Colorado. You can shop by performance, balance, and recover. And the first thing you should know about CBD is that no, it doesn't get you high. It is really amazing for anti-inflammatory purposes, for calm, for anxiety, for sleep. And people take it for so many different reasons. And the cool thing about Cured Nutrition is that they are not just CBD. They also have functional mushroom products, nootropics, and they also have their new drink, which is called Euphoria. And I was one of the first to be able to try it. And it is amazing. You can now shop Euphoria. They have the flavor ginger lime, and it is an elevated elixir. You guys, it will give you long lasting energy, but it's full of the good stuff. It's caffeine and sugar free, and it's formulated to boost your energy, your mood, and your clarity. So what it's perfect for is breaking your caffeine habits, combating the mid-afternoon slump, gives you a subtle but effective boost before working out and to replace alcohol at a social gathering. You guys know I haven't had alcohol in three plus years. Actually, oh my gosh, was it this weekend? Three years ago, the last time that I had a drink, I'm pretty sure it was. And so the benefits of euphoria is that it will give you clear-headed euphoric energy, increase your focus and productivity, enhance your mood, and improve your cognitive performance. They have so many, so many delicious flavors on the docket. And right now you can shop their ginger and lime. You can also use the mint CBD tincture, which has been my favorite forever. And they also have a pain salve, which I don't know how I would get through my pregnancy without the pain 
pains off. I'm serious. It is my favorite thing. It feels so good. It gives that calming, minty, shea butter type of feeling. And I would be lost without it. I use it on my back every single night. So to shop Cured Nutrition at a discount, use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, at curednutrition.com for 10% off of all of their products. You will fall in love. Tag me on Instagram when you try. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And with that, let's get back into this episode with Mel. That is extraordinary. It's amazing. It gives me so much hope because you came so far and you're so successful. It's such a beautiful story. So tell us more about the TV show that you were hosting, which I believe was right before the pandemic Mm -hmm, hit. mm -hmm. Sony Pictures Television came knocking and wanted to do a daytime syndicated talk show, which had always been my dream to be somebody like, you know, wow, imagine having a platform like Ellen or Oprah or, you know, any of the amazing people that do it and being able to create a show that, that can be a lifeline and that can help people change their lives for the better. And so it was a dream come true. And, um, what happened is we filmed 167 episodes and they found COVID-19 at the CBS Broadcast Center on March 10th of 2020. And they walked in and said, you have five minutes to evacuate the building. And the show was over and I was essentially fired from my dream job. And then the pandemic turned everybody's lives upside down. And uh I had a book contract that got canceled that every speech started to cancel. Just like a lot of people, my kids' college experience imploded. They're home grieving, sad. Everybody's terrified about what was happening in the world. And um, it was during this moment that I created the high five habit again out of necessity. I did not go, okay, it's time to write a book during the pandemic. That's not what happened. I woke up in April of 2020 feeling like I was back in a free fall of, you know, like if you think about it, 12 years prior, I had been in a situation where I could barely get out of bed because I'm 800 grand in debt and I'm employed. And now I'm in the pandemic and the dream job is gone the book contract is canceled and they want the money back from the advance money that I'd already spent on payroll. Every speech, which is the way that I really pay our bills and run the company was canceling. It felt like I was literally going to relive the worst years of my life. I thought, are you kidding? After 10 years of, of working this hard, this is how this goes. I have to reinvent myself again at the age of 51. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm actually a nice person now. Like, I've worked hard. Like, this is what's happening. And so, um, and then, of course, I would make myself wrong and say, you should be grateful. At least you have a house. You should be grateful. At least you have the ability to think about where you're going to, you should be grateful. And, you know, I think we invalidate ourselves that way where we don't give ourselves permission to actually feel what we're feeling. And it might be because as a kid, you were told to suck it up or you were told, I don't, you know, don't you you should be happy. You got this. Like, you know, you get your feelings invalidated when you're little often. And so I walk into the bathroom one morning and I'm feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. And, you know, you don't have to have a pandemic as the backdrop to really relate to the story. 
I mean, if you've ever been broken up with, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. If you don't know what to do for a living, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. If you lose somebody you love or you see your friends going out for lunch all the time and they don't invite you, like these are the kinds of things that we all struggle with. And it's a very common experience to wake up and feel overwhelmed by your life. And that's how I was waking up in April, 2020. And I'm standing in the bathroom and I'm brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden I catch my glimpse in the mirror and I think, oh my God, you look like hell. And then I started doing what I always do, which is I started criticizing the woman I saw in the mirror. And I started going, look at those dark circles and one boobs lower than the other. And, you know, Honey, man, I've never heard you be so loud. That's okay. Little manly. You want to sit with us? He's my little baby, my first baby. Come he here, little man. Come here. He, know, he knows you're a cat person. He yes. feels it. Come Mine, here, little manly. So there's this thing that we all do in the morning that nobody talks about. Like we talk about meditation and wellness and, you know, this is kind of, this is what you talk about all the time. But nobody's addressed the fact that every human being has a disgusting habit every morning. And it's a habit of self-rejection where you stand in front of the mirror and, you know, based on our research, almost 50% of people can't even look at themselves in the mirror, men and women. That's so sad. Disgusted with themselves, mm -hmm. like see a person that's unworthy or damaged or unlovable or whatever. Or if you do look in the mirror, you focus on the things you want to fix. And these are all ways that you're rejecting yourself. By the way, this is where people pleasing begin, or this is why you're a people pleaser. It's because you are insecure with yourself. See, people pleasing isn't actually about other people. Mm -hmm. It's about your own insecurity. And the only way to fix people pleasing and to break the habit of it is to change your relationship with yourself. And so one of the things that I think is really interesting is that every single morning when you are looking in the mirror, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror, that's why you're insecure. That's why you go out into your life and you are seeking validation from other people. It's because you cannot give that validation of your own existence to yourself. And the other thing that people do every morning is they focus on the things they want to fix. That's another form of rejecting yourself. If you can't love yourself exactly where you are, you'll never even let another human being love you because you don't think you're worthy of it. So what happened for me that morning is, you know, I started cataloging my flaws, my brain goes negative. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I literally just raised my hand and high five the woman I see in the mirror. And I felt the shift immediately. Like I immediately felt the energy kind of go from like really down and negative to a little bit of a shift. And I laughed. I laughed as soon as I did it because it's so cheesy. I realize now the reason why I laughed is because when you high five somebody, your brain gives you dopamine. And so I leave the bathroom, whatever, the next morning, the next morning is when it really broke open because I'm walking toward the bathroom, feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders, feeling overwhelmed by my life. 
And I realized, huh, I'm actually feeling something I've never felt before in my adult life. And it was this. You know, when you're about to go into a cafe and see somebody you really, really like, what do you feel? Happy, excited. Yeah. I felt that way about seeing myself. I don't think in my entire adult life I had ever experienced the feeling of being excited to see the human being, Mel Robbins. I definitely have been excited to see an outfit or haircut. The human being? No. And if you're being honest with yourself, I doubt you have either. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad thinking about it. I'm just trying to rack my brain and think if I've been excited to see me as a person. And yeah, it's not a thought that typically crosses your mind. And so I round the corner into the bathroom and the kind of profound nature of what's happening is starting to hit me. And I realize something else. And that is that every morning in the bathroom, there are two human beings there. There's you and there's a human being in the mirror. That's not your reflection. That's a person. And she's trying. And she's doing the best she can. And she needs you to wake up and to stop criticizing her and to stop focusing on what's always wrong and to support her and to see her and to cheer her on. She needs you. And when you start to look at the person in the mirror as somebody that you need to create trust and partnership with, because this is the person that you are going to go through life with, it changes everything. And so, you know, as you start to make it a habit, and I want you to, I want you to make it a habit every morning after you brush your teeth, I want you to put your toothbrush down and I want you to take a moment and I want you to stand with the human being that's in the mirror. And I want you to look at her and I want you to say to yourself this question, something that you've probably never asked yourself, which is what does she need from me today? And the answer might be, well, I need you to have some fucking fun because you've been horrible, or I need you to be a little more courageous, or I need you to stop caring about what everybody thinks, or I need you to like focus on the positive, like whatever comes to mind is what she needs. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to raise your hand and you're going to high five her. And here's what's amazing about this. I do not want you to say anything. I actually do not believe in, in affirmations. And I'll tell you why, because everybody picks an affirmation they don't believe. And if you have for two decades hidden in the back of every photo that's ever been taken, you will not be able to stand in front of that mirror and go, I love my body. I love my stretch marks. It's mm-hmm. not true mm-hmm. because your own behavior and thoughts have actually programmed your brain to think the opposite. And until you start treating yourself differently, your brain will not believe it. And so one of the most powerful things about a high five is it's all about the physical action. So when you do this, you're going to notice it feels very weird to high five yourself. And that's good news because it means you're plowing new neural pathways in your mind. Right now, you have the opposite habit. You stand before yourself and either ignore the, refle- the human being in the mirror, which is rejection, or you pick yourself apart, which is also rejection. 
We are going to practice acceptance, the opposite. So of course it's going to feel weird. It's just like if I lost my right arm today and I started writing with my left arm, it would feel weird. That's new neural pathways getting developed. That means it's working, everybody. The second thing that you're going to notice is that you can stand before yourself and thank God I'm fat or boy, I'm a bad person or ugh, I hate how I look. You can think that, but the second you go to raise your hand, your mind silences it. And here's why. Jordan, when you give somebody a high five, what does the high five say? It says, good job. I see you. I'm here for you. I support you. It says, good job. What else yeah. does it say? It says, like, I see you. I acknowledge you. Uh-huh. You have never high-fived somebody and said, I hate you. Exactly. You've never high-fived somebody and said, I hope you lose. Mm-hmm. You've never high-fived somebody and said, you're a failure. Mm-hmm. So it is neurologically impossible for your brain to think anything, but I believe you, I love you, I see you, I got you, we're going to do this. It's impossible for you to think anything other than that because your brain and the pattern of high-fiving other people and the neuro conditioning in your mind with that association has been building for an entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. So and true. so when you go to do that physical action without even saying anything, your brain starts to fuse all that programming with your reflection. On top of that, your brain always gives you dopamine when somebody else high fives you. Mm-hmm. And your nervous system recognizes a high five and sees it as celebration. So you feel a jolt of energy. So the reason why you can stand before yourself and say, God, I hate myself. But when you go to high five yourself, you immediately laugh or you cry or you feel relief and your mood's a little better and you feel kind of funky going out of the bathroom. It's because of the programming that is already in your body triggered by the high five. We're just going to aim it back at you. That is why this works. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. I've I've been trying it out lately ever since starting to read your book. And? And, and it works. I have to say it works. What do you notice? I mean, so mornings are notoriously difficult for me with chronic illness and being pregnant and this pain that I've had. Mornings are not my friend, really. Um, I definitely suffer from those negative thoughts in the morning, those fears of, is it going to be a good day or a bad day? And high-fiving myself has been such a good break in my routine because I find it just stops those negative thoughts in their tracks and it's fun. It reminds me that I'm on the same team. And what are you, what are you starting to experience about the woman in the mirror? What am I starting to experience? Yes. So like like when you go into the bathroom, and you're having a bad morning Mm -hmm. and you stand with the woman in the mirror and you send her into the day with a high five, what does that do for you? Well, it definitely sets the day off on a better tone. It makes me feel a a lot more confident, basically just in myself that I am capable of having a good day. I'm in control of my mind. My mind is not controlling me. And ultimately just less of a chance of getting trapped in that negative bad day type of feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, the research bears this out because your mood in the morning impacts your productivity and focus all day, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. I think it would make a huge difference if you also included standing there and asking the woman in the mirror, what do you need from me today? I think so too. I think so too. I think that piece would definitely be very helpful and like something that I'm missing currently. 
I love it. Well, you're going to have to do it. Let me I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. Yeah. It's interesting. Last night, my husband was on TikTok. He was scrolling TikTok and there was a video of you and Rich Roll. And I said, she's coming to our house tomorrow. And he was so excited. And it was you talking about the high five habit. Mm-hmm. And my husband who knows the way that I struggle in the morning and the way that I've had a tough time lately. He said, please do this. Please do this. And he's, he's always been my ultimate cheerleader. And it's so important to remember that we are also our own cheerleader. You have to be. And nobody has taught any of us how. Exactly. And so we wait for a partner or a boss or a friend or a spouse. And that's amazing that you have that support system. Most people don't. And so knowing that using simple science, you can make it a habit to empower and validate yourself. We just got this note from a woman. We're doing this challenge called the High Five Challenge, and we've got 107,000 people, 107,000 people. That's a ton of people. 91 countries. They're on day four of this free five-day challenge. You can sign up for free right now at highfivechallenge.com, the number five, highfivechallenge.com. And there was this one... um, woman, because everybody watches a video, then they do these journal prompts, and then you put a selfie in the comments and you write about what you're learning. And this woman said, I had a huge presentation at work today. And I was before an entirely male boardroom. I do this presentation. Nobody says anything. My boss doesn't even say good job. Normally, I would have left that conference room, gone back to my office and cried. But instead, I walked straight to the bathroom. I looked myself in the mirror and I gave myself a high five. I love it. And I realized that I was waiting for somebody else to validate me. And the fact is I get to say whether or not I did a good job. And that's what matters. Yeah, that totally resonates with me. And good for that woman because it's hard to do. And I'm so happy that we're talking about this here because what I really want everyone listening to understand is that we do have the power to be that supportive person for ourselves, especially if you don't have someone like that in your life. And actually, uh, especially if you, and if you do, yeah, if you do, because you, do. you need to bring your best, most empowered self exactly to the table. And exactly. you can't do this for your husband and he cannot do this for you. It's so true. It's so true. Wow. Well, that's amazing. And this book recently became a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, it's the number two most sold book on Amazon of the entire week. We're the number one audiobook in the world right now. We're That's number huge. one in Canada. We are the fourth highest selling book in the United States in the last seven days. New York Times bestseller, USA. And I'm saying all this because most women will not most women will not actually state very plainly what mm-hmm. they've accomplished. That is so true. And we've killed it. And I'm gonna tell you why we've killed it. We've killed it because you will be rewarded when you work your ass off. And you will be rewarded when your focus is about impacting people. And for the last 18 months, everybody feels punched in the face and beaten down and disconnected and stressed out. And I want to give people permission and simple tools to take their life back. And this is a book about science-backed ways that you can empower yourself. You can cheer yourself forward. You can celebrate yourself. And you can start to turn toward what's meant for you. Because I think for the last 18 months, we've all been hunkered down in the corner waiting for the world to sort itself out. And I'm here to tell you, it's time to start living again. Mm -hmm. It's time to look at the human being in the mirror who needs you and to empower yourself. It's time to go after what you want. 
Stop waiting for somebody else to do it. Stop waiting for the world to change and go change yourself. Yep. Mic drop. Mel, that's amazing. And what a big deal, all of those accomplishments. I love hearing you talk about it because we should be able to talk about these things and celebrate ourselves. So tell us more about the process of writing the book. I'm interested in your creative process and yeah, all of it. Well, I have major dyslexia and ADHD. So I started writing this in July of last year, dictated it, then started trying to take the casserole that was my dictation and edit it down into a book. And then 14 days before the manuscript was due, we tore it all up and rewrote the whole thing. No way. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to do that? It didn't feel right. And I'm a very decisive person. Yes, you are. (laughs) And when things don't feel right, I change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't like being in a state where I feel depleted or I feel like something's off. And so when that happens, I don't noodle it. Mm-hmm. I listen to my intuition mm-hmm. and my energy and I move. Wow. That's impressive. And so good to listen to your intuition. So what's the writing process itself like? Like, do you write all day, for example? Oh my God, no. I'm like, I mean, I am running a company. We have half a million students online. We put out 31 pieces of content a day. I have a team of people. A lot of all like I, I, we've got a partnership with, there's so much going on that I, need to be more disciplined about writing. Mm -hmm. My process is painful. I do not recommend it. I dictate, I transcribe it. We then edit it. I then look at it. I think it's horseshit. I then throw it out. I then do it again. I then do like it's, Uh I need to be better at carving out five days a month to just sit in quiet, whether I'm dictating or editing. I did this in between and around having a very busy life and running a business virtually, which was no small shake. No, definitely not. 31 pieces of content a day. That (laughs) is, my mind is blown. So that's across Instagram, Uh TikTok, Uh uh, Facebook, Uh Twitter. YouTube, LinkedIn. That's epic. Blogs, partner articles. How many people are on your team? 11. Wow, that's awesome. You are running a huge operation. So incredible. Well, no wonder I see you all over the internet. No wonder when you Google what to do when having a panic attack, you come up. Well, there's a lot of amazing people out there, but we tend to, the, my content, because I was for so long in the corporate circuit, speaking to Starbucks, JP Morgan, Frito-Lay, Microsoft, on and on and on, 111 speeches a year. I tend to have a tremendous amount of research backed highly respected advice that is both appropriate for building a business or being in the workplace and also deeply personal. So I have a brand that spans across consumer and B2B. Wow. I'm so impressed. I think that's so amazing. Okay. So while I have you here, I would love to ask you some of the rapid fire questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. So do you know your sun rising and moon signs? I do not. I'm a Libra. That's you all are I know. You are a Libra. We do know that. I don't, I don't know if we talked about that on here or not, but your birthday was yesterday. Yep. And I got so excited when I saw that because Libras are my favorite, I have to say. Well, you are one. So uh, you're I a little know, biased. I, I, I guess I am biased, but I always get along with Libras. I understand Libras. So, okay. So we'll have to look up your rising and your moon. Do you know your human design? No, I don't even know what that is. 
We'll have to look that up too. That's an energy type. (laughs) And I'm sure. What would you guess? I think you're probably a manifester or a manifesting generator. I, those are my guesses. Okay. And we can, we can look it up later. What is one question you've never been asked in an interview that you wish you've been asked? I have no idea. It's a hard one, right? Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Well, that means you've been asked a lot of good questions. Yeah. What's one question you want to ask me that you haven't asked? <laughs> that I haven't asked? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What's one question I haven't asked you? Oh, honey, man. Well, now I have to know. You are, You must have a cat because I can tell that you're a cat person. I've tell got a Maine cat. Coon Rescue. Oh, beautiful. Who is so like <laughs> aggressive. No. That's okay. My cat does oh my this God. too. My cat does that. He's biting me, everybody. He, he is. But like I, it's a playful so bite. <laughs> Don't apologize. It means he likes me more than he likes you right he now. Does. Right? He does. Yeah. So I have a Maine Coon Rescue named Noodle. Oh, Mr. Noodle. Noodle. How old yep. is he? Uh, seven. So is he. Actually, sorry, he's six. And uh, our cat is very inappropriate with two of my employees, like literally will not leave them alone. Like Uh it's embarrassing. Like Uh I I literally am like, Noodle, we're going to have to like write you up with HR. You need to leave these ladies alone. Okay. Yeah. So you understand. I I do. Can you just see on his face how feisty he is? He's... He's a rambunctious little man. <laughs> little man. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's the question I wanted to ask you about your cat. Um, who's your inspiration? Me. Beautiful. Beautiful. The woman in the mirror. The woman in the mirror. I absolutely love that. Are you a night person or a morning person? Neither. Neither one? No. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Unless it's hot and then I like a nice matcha. Uh-huh. In the winter months, I like a hot coffee. In the summer months, I like a, my, an iced matcha. I like that. If you were a color, what color best represents your energy? Yellow. If you had the chance to meet anyone in the world, who would you want to meet? I'd love to see my grandmothers again. I love Because I'm including dead people in that. Uh-huh. Of course. Yes, they're definitely included. If you could give yourself one piece of advice 10 years ago, what would it be? I wouldn't. You wouldn't. You would go no, through the whole journey. Because everything that's ever happened has prepared me for right now and where mm-hmm, I'm going. Mm-hmm. I love that. And where do you I see- bet no one's ever said that. No. And I'm so happy <laughs> that you just said that because it's, I, I, I have to agree with you. I love that so much. Where do you see yourself in five years? Exactly where I am. Do you see yourself writing more books? I see myself dominating in the podcast market. Mm-hmm. Well, you already are. No, I don't have a podcast. You're I have, right. one, I have right. one on Audible, but it's behind a paywall. Now I am going out next year with a massive every platform podcast. Yay. Good. Do Watch you know, out Joe Rogan and Howard Stern. Here seriously. comes Mel Robbins. Have you been on the Joe Rogan podcast? Not yet. I could see you on there for sure. That's definitely going to happen. I've listened to you on a ton of podcasts, but to have your own will be the next phase. And we know that you will dominate. What's the hardest thing that you've ever been through? I think these last 18 months, it has been a sustained one thing happening after the other, just relentless. And I can look back now and see that it was an energetic clearing of everything and every relationship and every secret that was in my business or in my relationships 
that was out of alignment with me. And so it was a very painful 18 months because I did not realize how broken things were around me or how many people were around me that were not good for me. And I probably wasn't good for them or the dynamic was broken. And there was something about the energetic clearing of these last 18 months. And I'm talking everything from the breast implants I had put in four years ago, uh, just hating them from the moment I had them in, finally deciding to have them out. And then when we pull the records, I find out that they are linked to lymph noma and they had been recalled a year prior and I had never been notified to being a victim of a wire fraud scam involving one of our major partners to the tunes of several hundreds of thousands of dollars, to clearing out relationships that were very, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, very destructive and very uh, toxic in terms of their dynamic and it blowing up in a really, really painful way, one after the other, to a gigantic move uh, from where we had raised uh, our kids to a different part. Like it just has been one fucking thing after another. And I have said multiple times to multiple people, if one more thing happens, you're going to need to drive me to the hospital. Like I don't, I can't take it anymore. And I think that your life is already trying to teach you something. And I tend, I guess, to be a very stubborn listener. And it has been the most challenging 18 months of my life. Wow. That sounds like so much. And does it feel like it's turning a corner? I don't even want to say it's turning a corner because I'm afraid it, it will not have been. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. I think I'll say for you, I think it's turning a corner. It feels like it is. It feels like we are coming out of, I feel like I'm coming out of something and into a clearing. And I feel like I now have the, I have the, the foundation and the self-respect and the self-awareness. And thanks to the high five habit, an entirely new relationship with myself that I needed to be able to step into this mm -hmm. next chapter. Oh, amen. Wow. Yes, that's that's truly amazing. And even though you had a very tough year. Brutal is more the word, word that I would use. Yes, brutal. You learned so much and it seems like you really made a lot of positive changes. So. I wrote this book through it. Mm -hmm. This book well, does not contain all of change. that in there, but the tools in this book literally saved my ass mm -hmm. and taught me how to look at the woman in the mirror and build a partnership with her mm -hmm. and rely on her and support her. And that became the pathway to changing everything. Beautiful. Wow. And what's on the horizon for you? Dinner. Dinner? Where, where are you guys going to go to dinner tonight? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Our daughter goes to school out here, so we're going to... Go have dinner with her tonight. Oh, good. Where does she go? Uh, she goes to the Thornton School of Music at USC. Amazing. Well, I'm sure she'll take you somewhere great. You mean we'll take her somewhere You'll great? You'll take yes, her I somewhere just great. Not, I'm <laughs> such in the tsunami of a book thing that I'm, I'm not even... I don't even know where we're going after here. So Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that we got to do this and that we got to do it in person. Well, thank you for inviting me to your home and letting your cat uh, bite, you. <laughs> yes, bite me and uh, love me and energetically try to connect with me Yes, and uh, have a beautiful, beautiful 
moment when you look your son in the eyes for the first time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Mel Robbins. She's such a powerhouse. I'm still pinching myself that we got to have her on the show. That was such a cool opportunity. And I'm still like languishing on every single work that she shared. I hope that it impacted you guys just as much as it impacted me. So check her out. She's all over Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, literally all the places. Her newsletter is very empowering. And um, just go support my fellow Libra gal. She's amazing. And I'm really, really grateful that she came on the show. Thank you to you guys for listening. I love you guys so much. I can't believe my pregnancy is is trucking along in about a month and a half. I'll have my little baby boy here and I'm just pinching myself every day. We will definitely do a solo update episode maybe next week, maybe the following week so you can look forward to that and then send me any other requests you have before I go on my maternity leave. And to hear more about my maternity leave, you can listen to my previous episode with my husband, Jonathan. And thank you also hugely to our sponsors, For today's show, Obey Fitness, code balanced for a free month of Obey Fitness and Cured Nutrition, my favorite CBD, code blonde for a discount. Again, thank you guys so much for being here. If you feel inspired to rate and review the show on iTunes, send me a screenshot of your rating and review to jordan at thebalancebond.com so I can thank you and send you my free yoga ebook. And with that, I hope everyone has a soul on fire day and we will talk soon. I love you guys.